Yeah, because who hijacks a plane right. with a fox collar? <laughs> I had on boots oh up to my knees, okay? That was Ida McRae. Welcome to Storied San Francisco. I'm your host, Jeff Hunt. In this podcast, Ida picks up where she left off in part one with her stint in a women's prison when she was still a teenager. She'll take us through the journey of the rest of her life, including some stuff you just have to hear to believe. Ida begins by talking about getting out of that prison. Here she is. And during that time, I have to say, um, my boyfriend, who later became my husband, um, he uh, uh, he wrote me every week. Oh, nice. And then when I got out, uh, I married him at 15 years old. Okay. Yeah, and that's how I got the name Robinson, Ida Robinson. Ida Robinson, okay. Yeah. McCray's the name you were born with? Yeah. Got uh-huh. it. Okay. And I got the name Ida Robinson, yeah. What was his first name? Uh, Arnold. Arnold uh-huh. Robinson. But nobody called him Arnold, mm-hmm. and they called him Ray, <laughs> you know. Yeah. So, um, you know. Do you do you want to talk about why you were a fugitive on this podcast? You don't have to. I don't want to. It know. don't bother me. Yeah. You know, well, uh, I was a fugitive because I didn't want to go to prison and, and get 50 years like my co-defendant. Right. That's real simple. <laughs> so, but for folks who don't know the story, because I, I want to hear it straight from, from Oh, well, the short part of the story is I got involved with a guy and his name was Neville and I had some issues because he was white and I was black and people made me feel bad, you know, and right. he was my karate teacher over there at the, um, uh, I forgot the name of the place, uh, Praying Mantis, no it wasn't, it was another uh, Kung Fu place hmm. over there in, in uh, the marina near Fillmore. And I loved him, and um, I felt really guilty because people make you feel guilty. You're going out with that sister, you're going out with that white guy, and this, that, and the other. So I was so torn, you know? And um, what happened was, so I started going with this guy um, who I met at the Marcus bookstore. That was the only black bookstore we had here at the time. Mm -hmm. And um, he was behind the cash register, and in my young mind, well, he must be cool because he's behind the cash register of Julius and um, and, and Dr. Richardson. Dr. Richardson was uh, uh, a master instructor of African and African American studies. And she used to teach at Golden Gate and at San Francisco State University. Mm -hmm. And she was just... She, she was a teacher. When she walked in, everybody just flocked to her, you right. know. So she, I said, well, she had him around the corner. He must be okay. Come mm-hmm. to find out he was nuts and crazy. Okay. All right, but, you know. <laughs> you found out on your own. Yeah, yeah. I found out on my own, yeah. you know. Yeah. And on my own is, you know, he had tremendous, he was the person who, he's told such grandiose lies mm. that, it had to be true because who would make up a lie like that? Hmm. He was the son of an Indian chief and this, that, and the other, and wow. and he was extremely, you know, crazy people were intelligent. Yeah. And I was like, wow. And I, I was trying to get away from the guy that I loved, which was Neville, you know. Right. And so I started going out with him, and um, he stole my car, mm-hmm. and I couldn't go home. I had to go to my friend's house because if my mother and father found out that he stole my car, I would have to explain for it. And he went and he did a crime over there in Haight-Ashbury where he put acid in some woman's fish tank and I guess one of the guys raped the woman and then they came back and here I was still at my friend's house and he had taken my car and um, um, 
and I said, I didn't know two words because I was raised to be nice. I didn't know how to say fuck you, mm -hmm. all right, which is bad because I was raised to be nice. Right, right. <laughs> and, but I was just trying to find a way to shake him. So I thought I'd shake him, and he said, well, I'm getting ready. Uh, I'm, I'm finna go to uh, L.A. to meet some other comrades, and I need you here. And I said, well, if I go with him now, maybe uh, I can shake him there. Mm. This is in my young, naive mind. Right, right. So um, he said, here, you hold this one. And um, he had a sawed-off shotgun. Well, everybody had guns around that time because mm -hmm. it was nothing a big deal. Uh, and then uh, he gave me the... Um, pistol or whatever it was and I hid it uh, under uh, under the, the the cradle you know the car seat you know that yep. you could bring, bring on the train right. and then when he went in there he pulled this woman's hair the stewardess and said take me to the cockpit and I said don't kill her I'll help you whatever you do don't to kill her you know and uh, just to make sure that he had some background because I'm thinking if we up in the air and he shoots the plane me and my baby are dying yeah okay <laughs> yeah. wait you were pregnant no you met him uh, no I was pregnant you were pregnant. I was pregnant from Neville Okay. Yeah, the white guy. When yeah. this all happened, you were yeah, pregnant. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Uh, no, I was, no, I had the, I had the baby. Yeah, oh, you already yeah, had I, it. I had the baby, and With I was um, running from that, you know, yeah. because people in their pressure. Yeah. You know, you walk down the street and they sister, but you do, you know, yeah. all that shit. And um, so I helped him in the hijacking, and um, instead of going to L.A., he said, "Well, go to Algeria." Algeria. Okay. So we run our way. Need, need a little bit more fuel for that, right? Exactly. <laughs> you got to stop somewhere and get ex some fuel. Ex exactly. <laughs> and so since he was in the cockpit giving directions and whatnot, and I was in the back holding um, my gun to the stewardess because I didn't want her to do nothing crazy. Mm -hmm. And I told her, just sit on your hands because I figured if she'd sit on her hands, I would know as she moved. I said, just sit still, you know, because me, I'm like trying to, it's crazy, but I'm trying to keep the peace. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, yeah. You were the good woman with the gun. <laughs> yeah. And, um, what about the other passengers? Did they know what was going out, on? We, uh, we let the passengers out in Los Angeles. In L.A., okay. Mm -hmm. And a lot of hijackings happened then. So we got the passengers got off in Los Angeles. It was San Francisco hijacking. Right. And uh, it was the Midnight Express because they used to have a plane that goes from San Francisco to L.A. midnight. Must have all happened pretty fast because those flights aren't very long. All this it, all on this, that Everything plane. happens yeah. fast when really it's fast. action like that, yeah. Yeah. you know. Um, then let him out, and then he said, okay, uh, I don't know what he was saying in the front. I was just yeah. like, dummy, here I am with the baby, and then, uh, you know, uh, and then from there, everybody got off the plane, he said, we're going to Algeria, because he was up in the cockpit, and I was in the back, you know, with this stewardess, mm -hmm. you know, poor thing, she was scared to death, and I don't blame her, yeah. but I really wasn't going to hurt her, but I couldn't tell I was not going to hurt her, because right. she would take keep, me on, you know? You need to keep that front up. Yeah. Yeah, because uh, yeah, doing court, she said, oh, the one with the steely eyes, but, you know, she didn't know me. How my eyes look steely? You know, I'm just, like, <laughs> terrified inside, but I couldn't move, you know, right. um, from my position. And uh, so I helped him in the hijacking. So, so after we, L.A., where, where did y'all go? Uh, to Louisiana to refuel. Then we went to Florida to refuel. And then I'm thinking, the FBI, they're going to come up here. They're going to kill us all. We all going to be dead in a minute. Mm -hmm. You know, but it didn't happen. Mm -hmm. And uh, he, so 
he, uh, I read through the transcripts later that he said, well, since the plane won't make it to Algeria, well, Cuba then. Okay. And so that's how I, we got to Cuba. Okay. And as soon as I got over there, you know, he dropped me like a hot potato because he what? He used me. Right. You know, and every, all the guys knew what was happening because at that time, it was men would go in one room and talk and the women would go in another room and talk. They knew what was happening. They weren't down with him. So he used me, you know, yeah. I was thoroughly used because I didn't know how to say two words. Right. Fuck you and leave me the hell alone when I got that feeling I need to get away from this crazy motherfucker. Yeah, you were still, you said you are still trying to think, you thought you were going to L.A. to, to fix yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, because who hijacks a plane right. with a fox collar? <laughs> I had on boots up to my knees, okay? I want to see pictures. And it was, it was, Sounds awesome. You know, Sounds awesome. but I'm just saying, yeah, yeah, if yeah. you're going to hijack, you don't, you know. Right, it's not practical. Yeah. Especially going to Cuba or Algeria with a fox collar and high boots. I had boots that come up to my knees yeah. and a, a coat. Yeah. So you're in Cuba. What, then, then what? Well, he dropped me like a hot potato because he used me. Yeah. And that's what he was, a user. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, you know he, to some people, you know, he was tall and handsome. And, you know, he had that mixed look, you know, blondish hair and green eyes and mm -hmm. six foot four and very vocal, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, and... Um, you know, we didn't speak anymore after that, really. How old were you at that time? I was 20 or 21. I was young. Okay. You well, know. But what did, what, you're in Cuba. Then, yeah. then what, do you, what do you do? Well, you go and you talk to the policia. Okay. You know, they, the militia there, and they take you, and they take you to one spot, and they took him to one spot, and they question you. Mm -hmm. And then um, they put me in La Casa de los Secuestradores which is a hijacking house. Okay. Everybody who entered the country illegally went to the same house, okay. whether you came on a boat or however you came. Right. And I, I stayed there for a time, mm -hmm. you know, until I was able to leave years later. I'm not going to go into that because it's too long. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you came back, am I wrong, to Sacramento? Or eventually? Yeah, I right? came back to Sacramento, and that's okay. where I got busted at in Sacramento. Because yeah. I was underground, and my oldest son was giving my mother hell, absolute hell, you know. And uh, Was she with you there, your mom? No. Uh, oh. No. I, I, I couldn't tell her where I was because I knew everything was tapped. Right. You know. Right. But every now and then I'd go to another state and I'd call her, you know. And as they went to that state, I didn't live in that state, you mm -hmm. know. And, um, but it was 16 years. Right. In 16 years, I was on the run. Yeah. Yeah. And for those 16 years, I was in Cuba because right. we couldn't leave Cuba, you know, uh, until Jimmy Carter became president. Oh, there you I go. Love, I love Carter. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad he has a long, nice just life. Had, just had his birthday. Yeah. Yeah. You know, blessings to him. He's good people. He's, he's the greatest president I ever know. I saw he and Rosalind married 74 years now. He's a great man. He, he really is a great man. So, um... How I got caught is I came back to try to help my mother with my uh, children. I had two by then, and because uh, she took them, because I didn't want it happen to me what happened to Fred Hampton, where they go in there, and I'm in Chicago, because, you know, they just go in there and shoot up everybody. Right. So I got the kids to my mother, you know, so they wouldn't die, because I mm -hmm. felt that I was going to die or yeah. get killed somewhere. That's good mothering, though. <laughs> yeah. For your babies. That's, that's, yeah. yeah. And because uh, I had a good mother, you know, right. so I knew what it was and I knew how to model it, you right. know, and by all means take care of the kids. And so um, what happened is uh, she was having a hard time and uh, I could hear it in her voice. She didn't say anything, but I could hear it when she called. So I came back here to try to help her and I was underground and Neville, the 
my my first baby's father, uh, he um, well he's dead now, so I can say he took me in and he lived in Sacramento, and he he helped me, you know, come back here, and my son, our son, had flattened the tires on my car because mm. uh, he wouldn't wash dishes, he wouldn't do nothing, mm. and so he, you know, um, and he got mad. Uh, and I have to say, his father did kick his ass. Neville, you know, see, Neville's an artist. He was a kung fu master. I mean, not kung fu. I forget what type it was. You know, he did kick his ass for, you know, he wasn't trying to kill him, but he did beat him up, mm -hmm. you know. And uh, he got mad. My son got mad and uh, went down the street and called the police and say, oh, by the way, my mother's the one in hijacker, and that's how I got busted. And they came to Sacramento and, you know. Uh, tore down the house and because my son had been in the house because I was trying to take him away from the, my mother mm -hmm. but he wouldn't stay went back to mm -hmm. San Francisco because that's what he was doing running you know mm -hmm. running around you mm -hmm. know doing shit breaking into neighbors houses stuff that you don't do you don't break into your neighbors and his houses and that's the other reason Neville kicked his ass yes Neville did kick his ass you know um, and I didn't do nothing I let him kick his ass because he needed his ass kicked. <laughs> that's his dad. <laughs> and I'm not perpetuating violence. So here I am, the yeah. non-violence teacher, but that's the way I felt. Yeah. You know? Um, so he turned you in and yeah. you served some time? Or? Yeah, I got 20 years. 20, okay. Yeah. Did you serve all 20? No, 10 and a half. 10 and a half. Because it's old law. Where, yeah. And was that in a federal prison? Oh, yeah, it's federal. Hijacking is a federal crime, honey. Where, where, where was that? Dublin, right here. Okay. Dublin, California. Okay. Then I got out of prison. I don't watch no shoot 'em up movies. I don't watch no cop movies. In fact, there's very few movies that I even watch. I'm a reader, you know, and I love documents, and I'm a teacher, instructor at City College here in San Francisco. Right. And um, uh, right now I'm going for a vacation just to kind of get away from all this, and I'm coming back home. This is my home. Right. San Francisco is my home. Can we go back to when you got out, though? Because I want to I hear, did, did you or do you work for the Sheriff's Department Yeah, as well? I worked for the Sheriff's Department. Uh, did, I worked there 22 years. That came about because I got angels. Yeah. I got spirits that walk with me, talk with me, and open doors that wouldn't open to most people. I was the only person who's probably ever worked at the San Francisco Sheriff's Department that was on federal parole. Right. Federal parole. Right. right. Okay. Now that only happens because it's, it's a miracle. It's an unusual story. Yeah, it's yeah. a miracle. You know, yeah. I'm not religious, but I am spiritual. Were, so were you brought in? What, or, sorry. I was brought in as a rehabilitation coordinator. Okay. All right. Um, and For adults? Yeah, that's all they have in the jail. Right. It's adults. Yeah. And so I said, well, if I did all this time, maybe I can help somebody. Right. You know, and um, I worked there for 22 years, but to them it's really 20 years because it took me some time before they made me permanent, you know. And you help get people in programs, and you help to talk to the people to say, you know, if, if I can do 10 years, motherfucker, you can do a day or a month, okay? Right. Okay? Right. You know, I'm not telling you what I read, I'm telling you what I did, mm -hmm. okay? And in that, you know, it helped them kind of navigate the system, because they got a lot of two-faced people in there mm -hmm. who feel that their job security is based on someone else's demise. Right. You know? And um, and I have to say, I have helped a lot of people. I have helped more people than I don't even know, because I see them some time, and they come up to me and say, oh, yeah, Miss Ida, thank you. This, and I'm like, okay. And I'm like, who is that? And then I would sneak, you know, I would sneak. I would bring oh. their kids to see them, mm -hmm. because I was part of the parenting program. And when they oh. can see and focus on family, that helps to them to focus on 
taking the shit that the the bad deputies, not all of them are bad, you know, Gerasimo's a good deputy, and we have a few other ones that are good human beings, mm -hmm. you know, that work there, but they had a lot of assholes that some of the good ones don't want to stand up to either, Yeah. you know? Yeah. So you treated them humanely is what you're saying, the prisoners. I treat everybody humanely. Yeah, yeah. But that was unusual, probably. Yeah, it was. Yeah, 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 so. And then do, do you still work? them or hell no okay hell you said no. 22 I, years uh, yeah well i worked as a what do you call it, contractor oh got it a contractor and for okay. 20 years i worked for them as a city okay. employee right yeah um yeah so i worked the other time as a contractor it's really a year and a half but about two years yeah yeah well then how can i ask how you got started with um teaching Where, did you teach at city college or i still teach at city you college. still do how did you get started with that down the wilmot my comrade's sister, who helped a lot of FALN, Fuerzas Armadas de la Revolución Nacional, she was teaching there. Uh, and she wanted to, tra she uh, was teaching a class on wellness for the formerly incarcerated. So she brought me in. And at the time, Tim Bertal, who was the chair, and he's a graduate of Stanford University, he saw the wisdom in it. And uh, I had my master's degree. Um, and he let me come in, you know. And I was the only black person there who had been formerly incarcerated that long, and I had a hell of a class until March <laughs> when everything this had to year. go on Zoom. Yeah. It was horrible. I don't like Zoom at all yeah. because I can't see you, feel you, you know, look at your body language. Yeah, and our kids are not learning anything. And I yeah. say kids even though they're in their 20s because yeah. they're kids to me because yeah. my granddaughter's in her 30s. Right. So you, they're not learning. Right. Because for me, they, what they call, they're kinesthetic learners. I Meaning they, they learn by, I, I need to feel you. You know, so I get in the classroom, I move around, you know, they can feel my authenticity and they know, number one, I'm not gonna lie to them and I'm not gonna tell them no bullshit. Mm -hmm. And number three, I'm gonna tell them how to get to your next stop. Right. And getting through your next stop is crossing your T's, dotting your I's, and moving every obstacle out of your way. You know, even if it means being alone. Mm. And see, that's, that's, what you got to do, yeah. <laughs> you know, learn how to be with the self, Yeah. you know. So, yeah, so I'm still teaching there when they call me right. uh, as an adjunct, yeah. you know, so um, um, that, that was, I like teaching. So we, I feel like we've, we've talked about a whole lot of stuff here and it's, it's been really good. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, but when I first showed up, you were moving, you're moving out, you're moving on. Well, I'm. But you also talked about San Francisco is your home, born and raised. Yeah. Do, do you want to? I'm moving um, for now. Just for now. It's yeah. I'm moving for now. I need a break from this place because somebody you. poisoned my dog here, right. and I feel very uncomfortable. I love my dog, and I feel very, very uncomfortable. Right. So my, um, uh, not biological brother, my brother has a place. They are there, and I'm going to just take a rest. I can do everything I'm doing through Zoom, mm -hmm. you know. But somebody poisoned my year-old uh, Rottweiler, yeah. my puppy. And I can show you pictures. The dog, when they came from Pet Cemetery, all the blood just came out of my dog. I mean, you know, I don't play that with animals. I yeah. love animals, yeah. you know. I'm, so I'm not sorry too crazy about um, reptiles. I'm not into <laughs> reptiles. <laughs> you know, they yeah. don't resonate with me, but animals I love, yeah. you know, and I feel very threatened. You know, we're the only block blacks here in four or five block radius, right. you know, and um, it just, I just feel, I don't feel good. I you hear know? you. Because I don't know if it's the left or I don't know if it's the right. Yeah. 
you know. I'm sorry that we're losing you, even if it's just temporary. But can I can I have you? Because um, you you mentioned a couple of things, San Francisco. You're on. Can I get you to kind of just reflect on 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 it all on this on this wacky town? I mean, you know, it's no community here because you know years ago people would get together and it seems like people cared about each other, you know. And I've even noticed this with some of the newcomers, they can't, they come and they come with disrespect. Right. You know, they don't have that good old Southern teacher of listening and looking to see what's there. And I've seen them, you know, I remember even in Fillmore, you go in a certain place and they're looking at you, you, you just get a vibe like, what the fuck are you doing here? And I'm like, wait a minute, it's a vibe you get. You know, you go to the mission, you know, you can walk for two blocks and don't hardly see any brown faces. Hello, <laughs> what's going on, right. you know? And now since the pandemic came uh, and uh, the people who were, you know, have these $200,000 salaries and whatnot, uh, things are changing. I welcome the change because when the crisis, there is a change. That's the old Chinese symbol that uh, I'm looking forward to a, a better change. Right and people learning that the way we get through this is by community, not by uh, snarling and saying this one's this and this one's that, you know? And because San Francisco, they had the brown berets, they had the Black Panthers here, they had the brown berets, they had the Red Guard. You know, this was a community. I mm -hmm. went to school with Chinese people, I didn't speak no Chinese, but you know, it, it wasn't this separation that's been brought a lot by um, lack of, uh, 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 love for each other <laughs> yeah. you know what so so you're hoping to find um a positive change when, no, when I, you come back no i'm hoping to sit down write my book oh. and do my sewing that sounds like a good life to me yeah yeah All right. <laughs> me me and my sewing machine i have a really good friend up here who's uh, been my mentor i don't really know how to sew but she's been holding my hand because it calms my nerves and if anything you learn about uh your body you just gotta learn how to calm your nerves because trauma lives in the nerves so in that i have some machines that i bought and i'm happy with them because i step on the pedal in the metal and it feels so good and I just grab some material I don't even know what the hell I'm making half the time but it feels good and it calms my nerve you know so you got to find tools to calm your nerves so you can stay centered and grounded within yourself that way we can see clear and find out that we're not each other's enemy there's an enemy out there but it ain't each other you know that was Ida McRae on the next episode of Storied San Francisco, we'll get to know artist Jeremy Fish, whom we recorded at the Upper Haight Mansion, where Jeremy is in the midst of a month-long residency. Check back next week for episode 41. Music for Storied San Francisco is by Otis McDonald. Photography is by Michelle Kilfath. The show is hosted and produced by me. Michelle and I have produced more than 130 episodes over the last three years, and you can find them all at our website, storiedsf.com. We're on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, where you can like, comment, and share the stuff we put out. Find the podcast just about everywhere you can listen, including, most recently, BFF.fm's new podcast network. Please subscribe to stay up to date on all the content we publish. We love feedback. So if you have any, our email is storiedsf at gmail.com. Thanks so much for listening. Stay strong, 
stay safe, and stay healthy. This podcast is a proud member of the BFF.FM podcast network. Learn more at podcasts.bff.fm. BFF.fm, best frequencies forever.